Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel podcast with me, your host, Megan Angus, wherein I decide on the fly where I'm going to put emphasis in my speech patterns. Okay. Um, I'm a little weirded out from the heat. I know it's summer, but like hot summer? Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, so there's like a hundred fans going in the background, sorry. <laughs> or enjoy the white noise buzz. <laughs> um, we just had our two-hour class on Lunasod. If you have not watched that, that is available for free on my website or on my YouTube channel, Megan Angus. Um, so that means that this week's podcast is actually going to be short and sweet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Short for me, right? Okay. But all the same, probably not an hour and a half long. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to talk about the lunar phases that we are working with this week, the astrology that we are working with this week, and just one or two um, holy days and events that I think are really cool that I want to point out. Um but nearly everything else that's happening this week, we have already talked about either in previous podcasts or um, in uh, in the class that we just had last week. Um, but briefly, let me remind you that uh, in the background, stuff that's already going on, we have the Perseid meteor showers running through August 24th. We have the Delta Aquarian meteor showers running through August 23rd. We have Bonaloo running through August 8th from our Hindu friends. And we still have the last few days of the Celtic tree month of Holly. We are about to move into... Uh, the next tree month, and we will get into that in just a second. Um, and the other thing that's going on in the background also uh, from our Hindu friends is Hindola Ustav, and that is running through August 24th. And like I said, nearly all of these things we talked about in the class or in the last couple of um, weeks worth of podcasts. So go back and listen to that or watch it if you're interested about those things. And if you have the workbook that has the full calendar for the Lunasod season. And there is a particular holiday or fixed star ri heliacal rising or, you know, something that's in the calendar that you want more information about, let me know. I'm probably opening up a jar of worms here, but whatever. Um, let me know. Um, hit me up on Patreon and or send me an email through my website and say, hey, I would really love to know more about XYZ. And maybe I will entertain your request. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into what the heck is going on this week. All right, this lunar week starts off, I guess I didn't even say what we are in. <laughs> I should say that, shouldn't I? Uh, this is Lunasad season, waning half moon in Taurus, and by some calendars, we are in lunar week 24. Okay. Now, July 31st brings us to the waning half moon in Taurus at 8 degrees. So if you have anything around 8 degrees of Taurus, this week might be a little extra oomphy for you. But I have to also say, because of the rest of the astrology that is already happening and is happening this week, um, if you have anything in the sign of, the signs of, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius, this might be a spicy week for you. This might be an intense week for you because we have planets stationing, uh, stationed in or rolling through all of those four signs. And those are the four fixed signs in astrology. Um, I don't want to go too far afield, but within astrology, the uh, 12 signs that we work with are grouped together in different ways. And one of the ways that the signs are grouped together is by modality. Um, element is another way. So when we talk about fire signs, right, we're talking about Aries, Sagittarius, Leo. We're in a fire sign season right now with Lunasad. Um, but another way of grouping the signs is by modality. And, you know, TLDR, modality is kind of like how the signs do what they do, their general sense of, you know, 
their paradigm, I guess. And our three modalities that we work with are cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Cardinal signs want to get stuff started. They're really excited to initiate things, to begin, open up, instigate all of that stuff. Aries is a cardinal sign. Probably no one is surprised with that description. <laughs> but so is Cancer, so is Libra, and so is Capricorn. Those are all cardinal signs. They're all excited to get things started, open it up, initiate it, birth it, all of that. Fixed signs want to sustain things. They're not interested in starting stuff. They want to jump in on things that are already in motion and keep the status quo. Um, and those fixed signs are the four signs that I mentioned previously. Um, Leo, Scorpio, uh, Aquarius, and Taurus. And then the third collective are mutable signs. And mutable signs want to come along and add information or subtract information to change the situation, or they want to come through with uh, information about why this situation should end, right? So we have a collection of signs that want to start stuff, we want to have a collection of signs that want to sustain things, and we have a collection of signs that want to change or end or otherwise modify things. Okay, so we are in a moment right now with our astrology that's up in the sky where all of the fixed signs have something going on in them. Um, you know, especially as the moon is rolling through a different sign every two and a half days, you know, it doesn't take long. It's almost once a week that the moon is rolling over a fixed sign. And then we also have uh, Mercury and the sun rolling through Leo. We have Uranus stationed in Taurus, and we have Jupiter and Saturn hanging out in Aquarius. So it's a party, right? Um, but it's a party where there could be a lot of stubbornness, there can be a lot of clinging to what is already known and fearing change. Um, there can be a lot of, no, I don't need new stuff, I'm just going to stick with what I've got, a lot of that. Okay, so Taking all of that into account, let's come back to look at our waning half moon in Taurus at eight degrees. While it is here, it is squaring Mercury, the sun, and Saturn. Okay? We just got to keep it fun, right? <laughs> um, and also, while it's here in Taurus, it's not conjunct by degree, but it is conjunct to Uranus by sign. So we can bring in some of that Uranian energy a little bit here, too. Um, and, of course, as the moon rolls through here and it dings off of Saturn with this square, it wakes up a little bit or stirs up to an extent the year-long conversation that is happening uh, within the square between Saturn and Uranus. Um, and... Lots of astrologers have talked about that square. It's tough. It's kind of, I think of it as like a year-long argument that's happening between these two planets. Um, and all of this stuff, you know, when we talk about the astrology, all of this stuff is things that you might see in the world and just be observing it from a very detached place of like, wow, look at that world leader doing that thing the astrologer was talking about. It might be people that are closer to you, friends, families, coworkers. Um, it might be you that's experiencing this stuff, right? Oftentimes it depends on where it hits in our chart um, or how much we're paying attention. <laughs> that too, right? Okay, so all together, collectively, all of this stuff, what we're talking about here is um, kind of a crisis between wanting to stay with what is comfortable um, and and feeling an urgency to maybe move and change um to to adapt the situation into something next whatever's coming next when we are here at the waning half moon we've talked about this in other podcasts um we are square to the sun right the moon is square to the sun so there is a type of crisis inherently every time we are experiencing waning half moon in any sign we just have all of this extra pressure because it's in Taurus and all of these other planets are in these fixed signs. So, you know, there's this crisis of trying to figure out how do I keep what worked? Do I really want to keep what worked? Did it really work? And starting to make preparation for 
letting go of things and making room for whatever is coming next in the next lunar cycle. And so here in this waning half moon in Taurus, we talked about this last month. We also had a waning half moon in Taurus last month. Um, it is a lot of, uh, you know, doing the work of considering what is not working, considering the friction of our lives. Um, and now that conversation is moving away from looking at ourselves and what we are being asked or forced to endure. And it's moving into examining what is getting our support that doesn't deserve it. And what can we do about that? And again, we talked about this last month to an extent, um, but we talked about it within the context of Letha. Now we are talking about this work in the context of Lunasad. So Last time I talked about the idea of thinking of money as a sacred energy, and I got a little kickback from the universe about that phrasing. So I want to make myself really clear. I think money is fucking disgusting. I am not excited that it is in the world. I don't think that I think the, I think we're going backwards as a species, the more involved we get with that type of stuff. Um, be that as it may, I still live in a world where I have to pay my rent, I have to buy my groceries, you know, I'm, I don't like it, but I am going to critique it. And I'm going to also recognize that I still live within it, even if I don't enjoy it. Um, I do not believe in the rhetoric around ideas like law of attraction. I think that a person can work incredibly hard, be earnest, good to the people around them, um, you know, say their prayers every night, eat their breakfast every morning, and get nowhere in life. And I know that that sounds awful, but it's the truth. Um, law of attraction rhetoric really is built on this idea that if you get it right, the universe will line up and figure it out and, and hand you the things that you deserve. Basically, ultimately putting the onus on you, right? And it completely ignores your context, <laughs> it completely ignores systemic racism, ableism, sexism. <laughs> it, it totally ignores all that stuff. This idea that like, all I've got to do is get my life right, get my energy right, get my aura tuned correctly, get my, you know, DNA activation going on, get my 5G Wi-Fi brain, you know, humming, and then it's all going to fall into place. And the truth of it is, no. Sorry to be the, the bubble popper here, but no, you can do all of those things. You can play by all the rules. You can color in the lines every time. And the universe may not give you a gold star for any of that stuff. Um, and so where I'm going with all of that is <laughs> this is a really fantastic moon, like last time, to think about where are you putting your resources and are you supporting systems that are ultimately working against you and your communities? And the answer is probably yes, because that's how capitalism is built. That's how the world of the West is built. We only have bad options in capitalism. We only have options that we would prefer something else. You know, so it's it's very often the the lesser of the of the evils, right? That we're choosing from. So on this moon, we are taking time to think about what am I doing with my resources? Where am I putting that? And what systems am I upholding that are ultimately working against me? How many more motherfucking billionaires am I going to help get into space? While I can't pay my rent, my neighbor is hungry, my other neighbor is sleeping outside. What the fuck kind of world is this? And within the auspices of lunasod season we are no longer experimenting and thinking about power and wondering about leadership and maturation we are stepping into those processes we are taking on our responsibilities we are taking on the process of maturation and we are also facing consequences from our decisions and all of that stuff um we're claiming we're committing to things i know i know i know i know <laughs> but we are. <laughs> so now I'm considering this conversation from a different angle. Before it's like, oh, wow, yeah, where do I put my money? Hmm, maybe I should kind of write a list and kind of figure that out. Now it's like, holy shit, what precedent am I setting? What am I teaching my kids? What am I teaching younger people? What am I teaching the people around me, regardless of their age, they have less experience than me? What am I showing them by the decisions that I'm making? 
all at the same time trying to find a way to be forgiving of yourself when you are making decisions that are the least of a whole set of evil shit to, to choose from. Um, how do we do that? You know, we talked again a lot in the Lunasod class about being in a position where shit's going wrong, it sucks, it's hard, you don't like it, and also there's, there's really no other option. So how do we carry ourselves with grace through those places? Um, and also, how do we determine when is the appropriate time to shit the bed? <laughs> that too, right? Okay. Um, all right. I said that I was going to make this short. I clearly lied. Uh, <laughs> so let's move on. Um, here on this, uh, th with this waning Taurus moon, um, like I said, it is square the sun. That's always going to be true for a waning half moon. But it is also square Mercury and square Saturn. So when we have a square to Mercury, um, our communication can get a little wiggy. Uh, we can say stuff and not know necessarily what we mean when we say it. Um, sometimes it just means like we thought we sent, e sent hit send on the email and we didn't, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but again, given all of this, there's this stubbornness to things. So it might behoove you to just slow down a little bit when you're talking about your ideas and listen to yourself and listen for, am I stuck in rhetoric? Am I stuck in old language? Am I stuck in old ways of thinking about money, about energy, about property? Um, am I afraid of new information around those things? Does new information around this feel too challenging for me today? Maybe it is for you today. Um, that's okay. And when we have squares from Saturn, Saturn, as I've said in the past, often feels like a great big no from the universe. And so a square can feel like a whole lot of friction suddenly coming up, or not friction so much as constraint um, and constriction. That's a better word. It's not so much friction because we get fire and heat from friction. Saturn is cold. <laughs> and so it's it's way more about constraint with Saturn. Um, and so this square from Saturn, as we're considering all this stuff, where am I putting my money? What are the resources that I'm, um, you know, supporting that maybe are not supporting me? And I'm talking about this idea of only having bad options in under capitalism. Saturn can really put a, a big black underline under the only bad options part. It can feel real pessimistic. It can feel like there's nowhere to go. I have no way out. Um, there's nothing about this situation that can be changed. This is chiseled in stone. You know, what can I possibly do about this? Um, and, you know, every stone gets worn away eventually by rain or water or wind or something, right? So even the great monuments that have stood the test of time clearly show signs of aging and wear. So when we are dealing with this square to Saturn this week, I encourage you to sit with yourself as, as unemotionally as you can and witness yourself kind of have a freak out if you have a freak out this week over power, power structures, forms of authority, forms of tradition that all feel very constraining or constrictive or like a big no or a this will never change. All of that kind of energy and stuff going on. Sit with yourself um, and listen to the pessimistic voice and the phraseology that that pessimistic voice uses, listen to that stuff because we know that some of these things might be true, but it's only true temporarily. <laughs> Life changes, things move on, all that stuff. And listen to those parts of yourself that really are convinced there's nothing we can do. It's always going to be like this. And kind of let them have their say, but don't necessarily invest in that voice. And here is why. Because while all of this stuff is going on in the sky, also happening, the Sun and Mercury are sextile the North Node in Gemini. Sun and Mercury both in Leo, and they are sextiling the North Node in Gemini at 8 degrees. The 8th degree marks goodness. And the North Node, its job is, well, one of its jobs is to bring 
challenging elements into our lives that often on the surface feel like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't step to that. That's too challenging. That's too spooky. I'm scared. I'm intimidated. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think that's for me. And the reason why the North Node brings those elements into our life is to encourage us to grow in the directions that we are scared to grow in, but are a part of our path. So think about all of that stuff together. Here is Mercury, Sun, Saturn having this big argument in the sky, um, a lot of constriction, a lot of confusion, a lot of... Um, divergent information and messages coming through around property and money and you know what do we do about all of this stuff you <laughs> know what do we do about our stuff what do we do about our money what do we do about the physical plane and the way that things are set up right now the north node i think here is really trying to bring you messages that are challenging that might feel frightening, that might feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't think I can step to that. I don't need I don't know if I can live up to that. And in fact, the universe is like, but wouldn't it be cute if you tried? Wouldn't it be dope if you just like did though? I mean, you're never gonna know if you don't try. You're never gonna find out if you don't give it a shot. It's a little bit of that. It's actually a lot of that. Okay. While we are working with our half moon in Taurus, our waning half moon in Taurus, for our lunar body, we are relaxing, reducing, clearing out, soothing all of our speech and hearing organs, our ears, our throat, our neck, our mouth, our jaw, our teeth, our tongue, all of that stuff. Uh, relaxing, reducing stress, clearing out, soothing, resting, all of that very appropriate. For our plant body work, we are planting, transplanting, or grafting, especially where we want to support below ground growth, root development, all of that good stuff. Okay, let's move on to August 1st and the rest of the week. All right, August 1st, that's Lunasa or Lunasad or Lamas. It is pronounced a bunch of different ways. Also called Loaf Mass and Freyfest or Freyfaxi. Um, we obviously talked about this class for two freaking hours in, in the latest lecture. Watch it. Click like, click subscribe, click all the clicks. Give me the clicks. I drink in your clicks. Okay. Uh, the only thing I want, the only things that I want to talk about for August 1st are, yay, it's Lunasad. And uh, we have Mercury conjunct the sun at uh, nine degrees of Leo. And then also on this day, Mercury and the sun conjunct in Leo oppose Saturn retrograde uh, in Aquarius at nine degrees. So, that argument thing that we were talking about for July 31st, in my opinion, it gets really ramped up on this day. When we are dealing with Saturn stuff, they tend to be two, three, four day transits because Saturn moves real slow. Um, this is Mercury and the Sun transiting Saturn in the sky. So those planets move a little bit faster, but, you know, it's Saturn. <laughs> He's always bringing the fuss. That's his whole job. So... With Mercury conjunct the sun, this is uh, Mercury in Kazemi. That is another word for this. And this can be a day where we receive incredibly powerful messages from deep within ourself, from our heart, our sense of self, um, our source, all of that stuff. And then we also have this happening while in opposition to Saturn retrograde in Aquarius. Saturn squares can be very, very frustrating. Saturn oppositions in some ways can be even more frustrating because at a square, there still can be some amount of action. Saturn is a lot of like, no, let's just sit here, but still there can be movement, there can be action. When we have an opposition to Saturn or from Saturn, um, it can feel like everything has ground to a halt, like everything has just slowed down and we're just going to sit here for a while. And if you are a go, go, go kind of person or in a go, go, go modality or process, 
the opposition from Saturn is like, oh my God, why? You know, it's like when you're stuck in traffic, but you can't see what's going on up ahead. Like, why are we just sitting here? Um, but oftentimes, again, it's one of those moments of if you can pull yourself out emotionally a little bit and just witness yourself and witness the process, be a little detached in the moment, oftentimes that slowing down from Saturn allows us to see details that we would not have seen otherwise because we were going too fast. Um, it allows us to sit in a thing and really get it on a, a molecular level in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise because we would have just skimmed over it driven through it very quickly, swam through it very quickly, whatever, but we wouldn't have necessarily gotten to know it as intimately. And so this is a deep conversation that is really at the heart of a lot of the work that we're doing in Lunasod season um, between the sense of self and being proud of yourself and proud of your accomplishments, seeing yourself as a star, as a fabulous, unique individual, Leo, and you're not special, everybody's special, or you are special because everyone is special. In Leo, we are a star. In Aquarius, we are a star in a sky filled with stars. And so Leo and Leo experiences can feel very self-centered. And I mean that in a neutral way. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean centering on the self. Um, and they can feel very celebratory of the self. They can feel like they are a moment where we are very proud of our accomplishments. We're excited to show off. We're excited to be seen. Um, we're feeling very magnanimous. But oftentimes that magnanimous thing is coming from a place of pride of like, look at how cool I am and what I have to share with my people. And it's a lot of that. And I think all of those attitudes are totally fine. Um, but we know hubris, you know, and ego and all that stuff can get out of hand, blah, blah, blah. So the, the medicine or the balance to that is Aquarius um, across the sky where Saturn is hanging out. And Aquarius is like, but it's for everyone. Everybody is a star. Everybody can get up on stage and do a thing that's going to be interesting to someone. Everybody is special. Everybody has some dope thing that they're going to bring um, to the uh, to the conversation. And so as we move through this particular astrology on the first, within the context of it being Lunasa season or Lunasad or Lamas season, the deep question here is, am I a ruler for myself or am I a ruler for the people or both? And how do I do that in a way that's healthy? Where are the places that I need to step out on stage and be acknowledged in whatever way that actually translates for you, right? Where are the places that I need to be seen where I want to be stroked, where I want to be acknowledged and congratulated and thanked and praised. All of us want that stuff in some form at, at times in our life. Some of us want a lot of it. Some of us only want a little bit, but we all tend to want it because that's a part of our ego makeup. Um, and so where is it right to lean in on that and be like, check it out. Look at this dope thing I can do. Woo woo. You're welcome. Um, and then where is it right to say all of us have something that we can bring to the table and it is imperative to the species that we do that. Um, in Lunasad season, we are encouraged to step into our leadership roles and step into our maturity. Um, and with um, Saturn in Aquarius, there is also this, and it needs to be concretized for the betterment of humanity forevermore. So a lot of this can feel like when it's coming through Leo, very flash in the pan, very of the moment. So on the surface, it feels like an argument, but I think that if we can move through Saturn oppositions with our heads up and not just feeling frustrated about the slowdown, not just getting weirded out about the places that we're hearing no, but really lean in on the places of, I'm sitting in this for a while. Let me think about it really, really deeply and let me figure out how to make permanent some of this stuff that's coming from the other side of the argument. How do we make permanent that we are always treasuring and adoring and excited about the individual offerings that each one of us has to bring? So much of Western society tells us we are nothing until we have the right car, until we have the right house, until we have the right partner, 
we don't count. If you're not making enough money, you're not a real person. And Aquarius is like, respectfully, hashtag respectfully, fuck all that. Uh, you are inherently worthy. So Saturn on a grumpy day is like, yeah, lowest common denominator. But on a on a functional progressive day, Saturn is like, let's take that attitude of we are all worthy and concretize it. Like build it permanently into the worldview. Just that. That's all that we're doing on August 1st. Okay? Just that. Let's move on to August 2nd. <laughs> All right, on August 2nd, the moon enters Gemini, and we are going to talk about uh, the Gemini phases on August 4th, because that's when it's actually balsamic uh, at, the, at the degree, so we'll get, we'll get back to it. Um, but moon enters Gemini. If you want to work with your Gemini energies, we are emptying out, relaxing, soothing, de-stressing, um, resting the shoulders the armpits, the arms, the elbows, the wrists, and the hands, that whole portion of our body, just resting, soothing, relaxing, restoring. And in our plant world, we are harvesting, we're doing pest control, we are weeding and we're plowing. But I'm gonna talk about the, the magic of the balsamic, or the magic of the movement in Gemini, balsamic, August 4th, we'll get back to it. Okay, August 2nd is where we are, moon has entered Gemini, that stuff, cool. Um, Astrologically, we have Mercury in Leo, trine Chiron retrograde in Aries at 12 degrees. And we also have Venus in Virgo, trine Uranus in Taurus at 14 degrees. Okay. I love this astrology. It's um, still a little tough, a little bit of challenge coming from this, but mostly I feel like this astrology is here to help us make sense of the friction and the constraint of the last couple of days with that Saturnian whatnotery going on. We're not done with Saturn, but you know. Mercury trine Chiron is truly trying to bring in messages about your process, your lived experiences, and the pain, the wounds that you have incurred through your life, through your lived experiences, and the wisdom that comes from that experience, from that pain. Um, Chiron is the wounded healer in mythology. Chiron has an, an amazing myth. Um, Chiron is abandoned by his mother early in life, and he's raised by sages and wise, wise people and mentors and, and wisdom keepers. And later on in his life, he is injured by Hercules, which is cool and weird. We have a lot of Herculean symbology at this time of year, a lot of warrior deities being celebrated. And uh, Hercules has a weapon that kills on contact, but Chiron is mortal or immortal. Chiron is a sacred being. And so it doesn't kill him. It just hurts like hell. And Chiron then travels over the globe, learning all of these different uh, systems for healing in an attempt to heal his own wound and he never does and then finally at the end of his life he goes to the gods and he's like bro this sucks like i i'm done i want out like put me on the bench coach i'm i'm finito and zeus is like all right i'll make you a constellation you did good kid and chiron's like tight although before i go can i just have one little favor and zeus is like yeah what and Chiron is like, when I go up, I also want to release Prometheus from his punishment for having brought fire to humanity. And Zeus is like, mm, okay. So we have a lot of interesting elements here with this character, Chiron. We have abandonment issues. We have a wound that never heals. And we also have something about... Um, protecting or speaking on behalf of the maverick in ourself or the maverick in society, AKA the character, the thwarter, the, the character that's willing to say no to the gods or go against the will of the universe um, to make things better for their group. Okay. Well, doesn't that sound similar to some of the things that we're experiencing right now on earth? How many power systems and structures are saying, compromise, um, hedge your bets. We need to be more modest with what we're asking for from our government, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and 
yet, <laughs> Chiron might be here saying, actually, we need to be standing up for the members of our community that have been brave enough to speak out against these monolithic empires, these monolithic structures. Um, they are the quote-unquote bad guys. They are quote-unquote the the unwanted element, the agitator element, the thwarter. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a very special thwarter, Set, who, you know, is kind of like the definition of um, going against the grain and, and saying no and putting a limit on things and stuff like that. So Mercury and Leo trying Chiron, I believe, is really here to try to bring us some information that may feel challenging, that may feel scary, just like the North Node, um, and more so even because it is coming up and out of wounds and pain that we carry from our own personal lived experience. So Chiron stuff can feel very, very personal when it comes up. And then on this same day, we have Venus trine Uranus. So here's Mercury saying, hey, I know this hurt, but this is actually wisdom for you. This is actually medicine for someone else. Um, your takeaway from your painful experience is actually something that's going to be really healing for another person. So receiving messages from the universe about your own process in all of that work, and perhaps being a deliverer of a message to someone else in your community that needed to hear I'm not the only one. Somebody else has gone through this. It sucked for them too. They didn't know either. Okay, I don't feel so lost. And then with Venus trining Uranus, there is very much this sense of absolutely yes to new ideas, to shocking uh, revelations, to um, information that is uh, flipping tables. I like to call Uranus the table flipper of the Zodiac because Uranus on the surface seems like he's just rolling in and like causing chaos for the sake of chaos. And we love that. That's cute. But usually Uranus is like, man, this is getting really stagnant in here. We need to like liven it up, shake up the energy, let's go. And so Venus is like, absolutely, bring me friends, bring me social interactions, bring me cool like moments at the bar or the club or the park where I end up in these radical conversations with people who have wildly different ideas about things from me. Again, on the same day, Mercury trying Chiron. Where is this speaking to me and my personal wounds and my personal pain that I'm carrying? And you know, within the auspices of Lunasad season, how is this helping me become a better leader in my own life? How is this helping me understand my personal process of maturation, my personal process of character testing and the wild ass things that I have personally had to go through and how that has helped me develop into who I am now? And in what ways might I share that with other people around me and maybe make their process a little easier or lightened or what have you. Okay, let's move on to August 3rd. All right, on August 3rd, our astrology, uh, I should say the moon is still in Gemini for August 3rd. Um, and our astrology for this day is Mercury in Leo, square Uranus in Taurus at 14 degrees. This isn't a terrible crisis type of a square. It's not really that big of a deal. Mercury squaring Uranus, generally speaking, is more just stimulating. Um, it's exciting. It can feel like a lot of mental energy. So if we're on that tip, if we're feeling that vibe, this is a great day for really exciting and innovative conversations with people, very much supporting the work from the day before with that um, Venus moment with Uranus. Um, Mercury square Uranus is like, yes, let's think all the thoughts. Give me more information. Give me more exciting, shocking news. Um, let me hear about it. Slash in the world, we may be seeing some really interesting, shocking revelations around information suddenly coming out that's like, whoa, where did that come from? Why didn't we hear about that before? Why wasn't this reported a month ago? You know, there could be a lot of that kind of stuff too in the world, but for us as individuals, it tends to play out um, a little bit more like, wow, I'm thinking all the thoughts. This is really exciting. I'm so illuminated in my mind. 
If we're not feeling that tip, though, it can feel like a day where we are very scattered, where our brain is going too fast. Um, we are trying to think all of the thoughts and we're not doing it successfully. So this can also be a day where there's some mixed messages or communication hiccups. Um, so again, just slow down. If you feel like things are going too fast, if you're like, I'm talking faster than I'm thinking, just take a breath, take a moment, take a sip off of your beverage. Hopefully it's not caffeinated. Um, and okay, sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. What I'm trying to say is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and just slow it down a little bit. Mercury square Leo, or excuse me, Mercury square Uranus, um, like I said, can be really exciting and very stimulating if you're feeling that. And if you're not feeling that, it can feel hectic and scattered. So just take a breath, slow it down for a moment, and then get back on track. All right, let's move on to August 4th. Okay, August 4th, we have our actual balsamic moon in Gemini at 27 degrees. Um, so we're continuing... Um, this process with our lunar phase when we move through the waxing half um let me roll it back to the full moon the full moon it's like ta-da the fruit has appeared on the vine we've been in our lunar process stuff has happened cute then we go into the disseminating moon and that is where the fruit ripens and we harvest it and we enjoy the the efforts of our lunar process then we move into the waning half and that's where we started the week and this is a process that, I, like I said before, there's a, a type of crisis to this process because we're really having this conversation with ourselves of like, even if these things did work, is it time to evolve them? And what things have I developed in this process that ultimately I still have to get rid of because they're not going to be useful for me in the next process. So we're, we're starting to have this kind of like, hmm, let me parse out what's working, what's not working. Then we move into the balsamic moon. And... I guess for our plant metaphor, I should say that during the waning half, the vine is beginning to wither and to kind of retract back in on itself because it's heading back to that new moon phase where we are a seed in the soil getting ready to go. During the balsamic moon, we are taking that fruit that had ripened and now we are distilling it and we are turning it into a type of vinegar and vinegar is bitter and it's tough, but it has its place and it's such a good medicine. It is such a good helper for cleaning and for doing all kinds of things. It keeps our body and our skin happy. Um, you know, vinegar is just an amazing thing, but it is an it is a substance that exists after a lot of other processes have happened, right? <laughs> Think about that. There's the whole farming and agricultural thing that has to occur first before we ever have fruit that can then sit on a tree and become ripened and be supported in that process. And then we pick that fruit and some of that fruit we know is going to be saved for yet a further deeper process. And that brings us to here, the balsamic moon. Um, the balsamic moon has a lot of the same type of energy as our waxing crescent. These are the two lunar phases that are on either side of the new moon. And both of them kind of pull from the other world because they really are saying like, wow, the new cycle is, is really, really close. And so in the balsamic moon, we might be getting a lot of hints from the future. It can be a very divinatory oracular space. Um, we can have a lot of psychic experiences during the balsamic moon just before the new moon because the future is pulling on us. The, the future concepts, the future forms of self are there kind of like ephemeral, but they're within reach at this point. And they're like, are you going to pick me? Are we going to turn into this this time? What are we doing? Okay. So we are continuing on that distillation process. We move into Gemini, the sign that speaks to our intellect, our communication methods, our devices, our information systems. And by now, I think you know the routine, my heathens. <laughs> we take a close look at our teachers, our information sources, the things that we think that we know all about or that we completely understand. And we are examining them for outdated information, 
old statistics, FYI pages that need an update on our personal website of the soul, right? <laughs> um, what facts or knowledge or sources are you holding on to that need to go or need to be evolved? This lunar work is complemented by um, all of this astrology that we've been doing this week because there's all these moments where we're either hanging out in Gemini or working with Mercury or working with Uranus. And um, Uranus is not the ruler of Gemini, but many magical systems look at Uranus as the higher vibration of Mercury. So it's still within the conversation. Um, but, you know, this whole thing is really asking us to deeply examine what am I believing? What are the belief systems and the philosophies and the facts and the figures that I am using to keep my worldview, maintain my worldview, and what of those things have to go? I think, again, that this really speaks to a lot of the challenging information and challenging stuff that is coming to us or may come to us this week with the other stuff that we've talked about. Okay. When we are, oh, I already talked about this. We've talked about our physical body and our plant body for doing um, lunar moon work in Gemini. Also on this day, we have the sun in Leo trine Chiron retrograde in Aries at 12 degrees. This is all sitting very comfortably again with the other work that we did uh, two days or day before with uh, Mercury square Uranus um, and uh, specifically not Mercury square Uranus, sorry, um, Mercury and Leo trying Chiron, all of that. Sun is really complementing a lot of this work. So where with Mercury and Chiron, Chiron makes it personal. Mercury can give us a little bit of an abstract or an intellectualized edge to what we're doing. The sun also makes it very personal, brings it back to the self, the heart. Um, so this may be another day where, you know, we're thinking about what do I believe and where did I get that information from? And even though I may love this source and I may have a lot of respect and admiration, especially as a younger version of myself or a less experienced version of myself for this particular author or this speaker or whatever, is this information that I really need to be carrying into the future? Is this really serving the future that I actually want to build? Or was that cool then, but it doesn't apply now? Okay, let us move to August 5th. Okay, August 5th, we have the balsamic moon in Cancer. On this moon, just like last month when we worked with the balsamic moon in Cancer, we're pulling out the old scrapbooks, we're taking a trip down memory lane, we are thinking back to old lives or old versions of ourself, we're maybe like really taking in a lot of media from when we were a kid or when we were a teenager and kind of really thinking about how all that stuff shaped our worldview. And it, again, sits very closely with this work that we're doing where we're examining this stuff that we treasure and hold valuable and really shaped the way that we think about things or feel about things and where maybe that's not where we want to be anymore, <laughs> where maybe we need to progress that and evolve that into something different. Um, and when we do this stuff, we can kind of retract into a place where we start to really romanticize stuff, especially with all of that Saturnian influence all week long. Um, Saturn is like, nah, the old ways were best. It was better back in the day. Even if that's total bullshit, Saturn is like, yep, I will totally say that all day long. <laughs> it was better back in the day. The first, the first three albums, I don't listen to anything after that. That's Saturn. That's totally Saturn. Um, and so when the moon moves into Cancer, emotionally, we might want to retract back to a safe space of putting on our rosy glasses and romanticizing things or choosing to overlook the difficult parts, choosing to overlook the chapters of the book where the author goes off on some really turfy bullshit, right? Or something like that. Um, and so this is, this is, we want to like kind of sink back, think about those things, put ourselves back in those places and think about that stuff. And then really kind of think about what needs to be let go of. And if it feels good to do so, you might bring in other people who were there back in the day and kind of make sure that, you know, who, how do you remember things? What do you think about this author? You read them 20 years ago too. How do you think this work stands up now with the way the world has changed in our new vocabulary? Um, you know, what, what page are you on with that conversation? I think it's really important to do that stuff. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, collectively, we just, we want to remember the stories that matter, but we also want to get clear on what stories no longer need to be told. Okay. When we are working with the moon in Cancer as a waning moon for our lunar body, we are relaxing, soothing, relieving, resting the belly, the breasts, and the stomach. Um, yes, that can also be our digestive organs as well, um, but definitely like the, the belly itself, the skin of the belly, um, the breasts, your, your, your visible stomach, all of that stuff, all of that portion of the body. Again, as I always say in every podcast, not a, not a medical doctor, please get with your trusted health advisor about anything that I have to say on taking care of the physical body in any of these podcasts, not a medical doctor, doctor of love. Okay. And in our plant world work, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting, especially to support below ground action, just like with Taurus. All right. Also on this day with our balsamic moon in Cancer, we have the new Celtic tree month starting, which is the tree month of Hazel. And this will run from August 5th to September 1st. The Hazel moon was known to the Celts as coal. Um, which translates to the life force inside you. This is the time of year when hazelnuts are appearing on trees and are an early part of the harvest. Hazelnuts are also associated with wisdom and protection. Um, hazel is often associated in Celtic lore with sacred wells and magical springs containing the salmon of knowledge. Uh, and the the myth around the myths, I should say, around the salmon of knowledge are really, really cool. And I definitely recommend studying them during the tree month of Hazel. Uh, this is a great month to do workings related to wisdom and knowledge like dowsing and divination, dream work, any kind of prophesying, oracling, uh, tarot, astrology, runes, all of that stuff. Very, very appropriate. If you are a creative type, such as an artist, a writer, or a musician, this is a great month for you to get your muse back, find inspiration for your talents. And even if you don't normally do so, write a poem or a song. And we talk a lot about that stuff in the Lunasada class as well. This is absolutely a season to develop something and perform it or show it or share it with your friends and family. All right, let's move on to August 6th. Okay, August 6th, we have the sun in Leo square Uranus in Taurus at 14 degrees, where a Mercury square Uranus can either be really stimulating or a little scattered. The sun square Uranus can actually be quite a bit more frustrating and it can feel very disruptive. Um, uh, you might feel subject to sudden upsets or to behavior that is upsetting to others. Uh, under this influence, it's quite likely that you'll be um, having a really hard time following your normal routine um, this disruption could manifest as like your car breaking down or, uh, information pathways breaking down, but it can also be things like a sudden argument or an unexpected separation from someone. Um, I mean, ultimately when it comes to Uranus, stuff is unexpected. Um, and when it comes to the sun, it can feel very personal. Um, so ultimately what's happening is that we're striving to break down our everyday routine. Um, and that's also really lovely being here at the very end of our, of our lunar cycle. We are letting go of this routine and we're getting ready for the next one. So we want to be very intentional with that work. If we allow the sun square Uranus moment to be happening, just kind of off in our world, whatever. And like, Oh, I guess I'm just breaking stuff down and like saying shocking things and having unexpected stuff happen. It can get real chaotic, really, really fast. So we want to be present. We want to be as intentional as possible with this. Let me change up my routine moment. Um, otherwise say Uranus can sometimes break stuff that we are like, Oh, I wanted to keep that damn it, that kind of stuff. Okay, let's move on to August 7th. All right, August 7th, the moon enters Leo. And our new moon next week is in Leo. So this is like the last 36 hours or so of the lunar cycle. And just like last month, um, 
just like most months, right? <laughs> I encourage you to take this time for yourself in any way that is possible. I know that we all still have jobs and we have families and we have lives that need to be attended to. Um, we're not going to pretend that that's not the truth just because we're doing witchcraft. In fact, because we're doing witchcraft, we still have lots of stuff to attend to, right? <laughs> but when we are experiencing these last hours of the balsamic moon leading up to the moon being new, I am always, always, always going to encourage you to find a moment of peace for yourself in whatever way you can. A long shower, a bath with the door locked and a chair in front of it so nobody can get in, right? Like literally alone as much as possible. Um, you know, if you have access to soak in a pool or a spa, that is all very appropriate. It was super appropriate last month when we were dealing with our um, balsamic moon in Cancer leading into the Cancer new moon, of course, because that's a water sign. Very, very big big with all of that. Um, but we have lots and lots and lots of river and water goddesses and deities being venerated all through Lunasad season. So doing any kind of body of water work around our new moons and our full moons during this whole portion of the year, super potent super potent. If you can't, it's okay. Don't sweat it. Go lay on the floor, go lay on your bed, go lay in the backyard. If you have access to something like that, you know, or if there's a spot in the park where you feel safe that you can just like lay down and be with yourself for a little while, I heavily recommend in whatever way you can do it, do it, do it. Um, and while you're doing this, if you do any magical work at all, other than just resting and emptying out and being quiet, totally appropriate for the balsamic moon, no matter what sign it's in. But when it's balsamic moon in Leo, reading and pondering the words of leaders that you respect can be really, really potent. This is all about lunasad season, right? Stepping into our leadership, stepping into our maturation, stepping into our sovereignty, whatever that means within your world and your vocabulary. And so here it is, let me go to my quiet place. Let me go to my place where I empty out. And let me think about the words that have been given from people who have stepped into their leadership. They've stepped into their sovereignty. They've stepped into their maturation process and they did it. They, they, they claimed it, right? They, they gripped it. <laughs> they put their hands on it. Um, let me read the words and the thoughts of those people. If you do debate or engage in any kind of debate at this time. If you do hang out with people and talk about things and it kind of gets into a place of like, well, I think this, well, I think that, because of course, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, we have this big old fixed sign fucking orgy happening in the sky. <laughs> and so everybody's like, well, here's my stance and I'm fucking stubborn about it. So figure it out. Um, I heavily encourage you to debate or to engage in debate only from the highest levels of respect for yourself, the highest levels of respect for the ideas that you are espousing, and the highest levels of respect for the person or the group that you are talking to, even if you don't actually respect them. <laughs> Speak like you do. Conduct yourself like you do have respect for them. Um, and try to do what you can to not reduce the conversation to just bitterness and hate and fuck you. There is a time and a place for telling people to fuck off. Goddess bless. I will always champion you on the day when it's time to look at a motherfucker and tell them to take a hike. I am, I'm, I'm holding your hand. My hand is on your shoulder as this happens. I, I support and believe. But there are also times, apparently... <laughs> Aries rising. I don't know. But apparently there are also times where being diplomatic about things really helps the situation and not just constantly being on the warpath. This is perhaps one of those times. So if you are dealing with people and you are talking about stuff, right, we've had a whole week of um, interesting and stimulating information coming to us from all these different angles now we might be finding ourselves in a place where we're testing out some of those ideas and the person across from us is like, you're talking about a bunch of crap. Like, this is goofy. What are you saying? 
approaching that response and approaching the whole situation with respect, dignity, diplomacy, really, I think is maybe another word we could use here. And just saying, I'm taking the high road. I don't necessarily like this person and I don't like the things that they're saying, but I'm not going to drag them today. <laughs> All right. The other thing that's happening on August 7th that I really wanted to talk about is the heliacal rising of the fixed star Dube or Dub. Now, the traditional name of Dube comes from the Arabic word for bear. Uh, and Dube is in fact a star in the great, the constellation, the great bear or the greater bear. The original phrase for this star and Please forgive me, my Arabic-speaking friends <laughs> and listeners. Zar al-Dubal Akbar, um, which means the back of the greater bear. Another traditional name is Ak, which means the eye. And that's all very interesting, right? Okay, cool. Why are we talking about a fixed star connected to the constellation bear, though? We tend to only talk about the fixed stars that are connected to the 12 constellations of the zodiac. Well, I'll tell you why. Because also on this day, we have the feast of Volos's beard or Veles's beard. And this is a Slavic festival that comes to us from approximately 5th century, 6th century, back to 8th century BCE. Um, and Velos is... Um, a underworld deity, an underworld god that also is connected to the harvest um, and was often depicted as a great black bear. And Velos uh, fights with another Slavic deity, Perun, who is depicted as a bright and shining warrior over the goddess Mokosh. Uh, the goddess Mokosh comes in a couple of different forms and in her light surface world, bright, happy vegetation goddess form, she is Lara and she is married to um, uh, Yarilo. Um, Yarilo is like the bright and shining version, sun god, vegetation god, who then sort of in some stories becomes Perun. And um, Lada continues to stay with him and matures. And then at some point, uh, Perun and Volos fight and Volos takes Lada into the underworld where she becomes Mokosh, the wet soil of the bog and the boggy earth. Now, all of that stuff is really, really cool. What I think is very interesting um, side note here, the Feast of Volos's beard specifically is connecting to all of our John Barleycorn and all of our other grain vegetation symbolism that we are seeing. Um, his beard is literally the wheat, the rye, the grains. And so his beard is being shaven, his head's being cut off, right? We talked about all of this symbolism. So this is one of those holidays that really dials in the symbolism for us. Volos is often depicted as a bear, so on this same day as Volos's uh, festival, we have the fixed star rising of the one of the main stars in the constellation of Bear. Um, and what I thought was very, very interesting is that this star is called Dub, and we talk a whole hell of a lot about the Irish god Crom Dub, the great dark crooked one, who is an underworld deity that represents vegetation gods after the harvest as the grain that is being cut. And on this day, solar lunasad. And so this is the day that we in our orbit hits the actual halfway mark between summer solstice and fall equinox. Can't make this stuff up, guys. Although, as we like to say here on the podcast, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. All right, you guys, that is the week. And I said I was going to make it short, and I still think this is about an hour long. So there you go. <laughs> I am unstoppable, even unto myself. Um, our lunar phases that we're working with this week run from Taurus through Leo. We are going waning half into balsamic. And our astrology for this week, 
Let me check my notes quickly, quickly. Um, we are starting off with uh, the Sun and Mercury in Leo sextile the North Node on uh, the 31st. On August 1st, we have uh, Mercury and the Sun conjunct in Leo, opposing Saturn retrograde in Aquarius. On the 2nd, we have Mercury trine Chiron retrograde, and we have Venus trine Uranus. And then on the 3rd, we have Mercury square Uranus. On the 4th, we have the Sun in Leo trine Chiron in Aries. And then on the 6th, we have the Sun square Uranus. And on the 7th, uh, the Moon moves into Leo, bringing us into our last few hours of this particular lunar phase before we have the new Moon in Leo next week. Um, that's it. I love you guys. I love you, heathens. Um, take care of yourselves. Don't be scared or be scared and do it anyways um, is really kind of the, the theme for the 20th century or 21st century. I think it's like, don't be scared. No, shit your pants. It's fine. It's really frightening out here. Things are pretty hectic uh, and do it anyways. Um, all right, that's it. I love you heathens. Have a good night, day, whatever you have. Have a good one. Bye.